Welcome to Retire to a Life You Love with Michelle Gessner from Gessner Wealth Strategies. We inspire executives, professionals, and business-savvy women to better their finances and overcome the financial stresses of life. We do all of this by giving the advice you need to identify your goals and the confidence to achieve them so you can retire to a life you love. Join us for this journey where we explore ways to win financially as Michelle draws from years of expertise and talks with today's top business minds about their wins, failures, and best practices. Hello and welcome to Retire to a Life You Love with your host, Michelle Gessner. I'm Wendy McConnell. Hi, Michelle. How are you? I'm good, Wendy. How are you doing? I'm good. You know, we're we're in fall now. It's fall. It's the leaves are coming in and the football's on the TV and, you know, life is good. Well, football is on the TV, but I will tell you where Ryan and I are. It does not feel like fall at all. It is still very hot and humid here. So yeah, you're, you're in a different area of the country than we are. I'm a little jealous. Well, I think you knew that that was going to be the case when you, you know, when I signed up to live in Houston, Texas, (laughs) (laughs) I know, I know, but Hey, we laugh all the way to, uh, you know, our offices and so on during the wintry blustery days that you guys have. And we don't So take that Wendy. Okay. We have, (laughs) (laughs) we have a guest today, Michelle, who do we have with us? Yeah. So today we have Ryan Kaiser and um, I'm going to introduce him in just a second. I just want to say the the theme of, of this podcast is retired to a life you love. And it's that encompasses so many different things. And when we talk about retirement, a lot of times people are thinking about, well, how much money do I have and how much do I need to to make and uh, and save and, and what's my return and what's my growth? And, and these are all very important questions. But the other side of it that I think is equally important, and some people might think it's even more important, is how much money are you going to keep of that money that you worked so hard to save? And that's the risk side of it all. That's the risk mitigation side of it all. So today we have a very special guest who is going to talk about some of that. His name is Ryan Kaiser. He is a personal risk specialist at USI Insurance Services which is in the property and casualty space. And he is, and his team provide asset protection by conducting comprehensive risk assessments, educating people on their potential exposure, and then pro- providing that all important risk mitigation so that people can transfer that risk if they so choose through property and casualty insurance. So Ryan, he's, he, I just want to say he's, he's a graduate of Sam Houston State University. He's been in the insurance uh, industry since 2011. He spent a lot of his time in claims, and he's helped thousands of customers recover from loss. So Ryan, we're going we're gonna to just pick your brain today, if that's okay with you. Absolutely. Thank you, Michelle, for having me. I really appreciate the opportunity. Uh, Just looking forward to kind of talking about some insights about the uh, current insurance market that we're navigating through and the risk management that's associated with that. Yeah, very, very important topic and and one that I think people need to pay very close attention to. So I'm going to just ask you a bunch of questions if that's okay with you, and we'll just go ahead and, and get started. Sure, fire away. All right. So let's start with what is personal risk management from your perspective and and why is it important to wealth management? 
Yeah. So in, in my opinion, you know, personal risk management is the process of really understanding a client's risks and exposures, um, educating that client on how to mitigate those risks and exposures and developing a comprehensive insurance program that provides the adequate coverage and protection that they, they, they need um, to protect their wealth and their family. Um, and so I think of myself as a risk manager first and as an insurance broker second. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, my goal is to really help clients understand how they can limit risks and reduce the chances of even having a claim or a loss by taking proactive steps to uh, to protect themselves and then transferring that remaining risk to an insurance company. Well, I, I just wanted to say that you you said something that I think is really important. And I, I think that people often don't even know what the risks are. I find that when I'm having client conversations that, you know, I mean, look, we don't get up out of bed and think about all the things that could go wrong today, right? That would be a very unhealthy approach to life. But I think that it is important to understand what are the risks that could potentially derail the most carefully thought out plan. And that's where we do have to have these conversations so that people can decide what they want to transfer and what they don't want to transfer to a potential insurance company like that. Exactly. And, you know, every client is different. And so that's why it's so important to have a an, a discussion with them about those risks and exposures so that we can identify that and, and work that into, into the, the plan. And so we'll ultimately start with identifying or collecting information, which is the personal risk assessment. In your world, aka the gap analysis, where we, we come to understand the client's risks and exposures, their lifestyle, we take inventory of their assets, their properties, their cars, and then uh, we understand what they're involved in with their lives and what they like to do, what they value. We then use that information to work on ways to improve their current program, talk about ways to protect themselves and their property, and then um, you know anything we can do to mitigate risk from happening in the first place and then evaluating and designing a management plan that fits into their assets, their investments, and their family, and finally implementing that plan and monitoring it. And so it's really important to keep our clients up to date on trends, keeping them educated um, about what's going on around them, um, and making a point to offer a review annually so that we can calibrate that program as their lifestyle changes and as they grow. Uh, And I'll, I'll mention also that, you know, with products being available directly to the consumer and online these days. And agents typically get kind of stuck into the process of just jumping straight to the implementation where really we need to be focusing in on these key specifics and and client exposures that could be overlooked and, and leaving them exposed. Well, I, I want, I want to hear about these, these exposures. So can you, can you help our listeners understand what are, what are some common risks or exposures that that you're you're talking about? Absolutely. So yes, like I mentioned, every client is different. And that's why it's important to go through this process of identifying. Um, but many don't realize that liability can arise from properties you own, the vehicles you drive, the things you do, and the people you interact with. Um, so, you know, too often we come across, um, you know, a client without an umbrella policy or no excess liability coverage at all. 
And to explain, an umbrella is literally a layer of coverage that sits over your policies like your home, your auto, your boat insurance. And if you were to have a claim where liability damages exhausted that underlying policy, then the umbrella would come into play and help with those liabilities and the defense costs. A few hundred dollars can mean can often mean millions of dollars in additional coverage. And that goes a long way when it comes to protecting your net worth and what, like you said, you've worked so hard to build. Just an example, uh, a client's hosting a party where alcohol is being served. Um, guests are you know, having a good time, but perhaps having too much to drink. Um, somebody leaves that party and gets into an accident, not only causing harm to themselves, but also some property damage. Well, that drunk driver could turn around and actually sue the homeowner or the host of that party. And that that, uh, you know, could very easily exhaust an underlying homeowner's insurance policy, which typically only covers about five hundred thousand dollars in liability. And so um, this could and what if this person doesn't survive the crash or there's something more severe then that could very easily go into the millions. Another very common theme that we see is, you know, clients that have staff working in their homes, um, such as like a housekeeper or a nanny. Well, of course, having proper insurance coverage like liability and workers comp in place is important. But let's talk more about how was how were these people employed? Um, was there a staffing agency that assisted with background checks? Do you, do you have a code of conduct? Um, are they driving your vehicles and what kind of tasks are they doing? Are they just doing laundry or are they climbing up on ladders and dusting chandeliers in the top of cabinets? Um, so there's just um, some simple discussions that we can have um, to help our clients understand how to protect themselves when they're having, you know, a, a, some sort of employee coming and going from their home. Um, and then one other item that we're seeing um, from time to time is where Assets are being put in the name of an LLC or a trust, but they haven't been informed on the, the proper process of listing that entity on the insurance policy, which I see that a lot. Could, could result in no coverage, essentially. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and zero, it costs zero dollars to add that to the policy. And so um, that's just a simple asset management type process that we can go through to make sure that that's properly listed and protecting the client the way that it was designed to do so. Um, okay. And I, I just, I, oh, yeah. I, I just want to jump in. Okay. You, Cause you've said a lot in it and it's all so important. First off, I heard you say defense costs, and I don't know if our listeners caught that. So this umbrella that you're talking about that costs a couple hundred dollars, what is it? $300 per million dollars of coverage per year, $300 per year for a million dollars of coverage includes the cost of defending yourself, the lawyer costs, which we know can be a lot of money just in and of itself. Is that what you were referring to? Exactly. So when you have insurance, the insurance carriers would actually come to bat for you in a courtroom if you had a, a liability lawsuit against you or a claim against you. And so those defense costs are going to be included in that umbrella coverage that you're paying for. Uh, and so that would not essentially be an out-of-pocket expense, of course, unless you didn't have enough umbrella coverage to, to cover the entire li liability case that's against you. I really wanted to ask, what happens if you don't have the umbrella coverage? Where does that extra money come from? 
that that's where you would be sued directly. And so um, there would be no coverage to help with those out-of-pocket expenses. I just want to jump in on that note. So this is why I ask my clients, do you know which of your accounts are creditor proof and which are not? And a lot of people don't know. They just don't know. And what is really important? So let's just say, Wendy, that that happens. Somebody didn't have this important and inexpensive umbrella coverage and they got sued, something came out of the blue, then those those litigants are going to find the money that is not creditor protected. And that would be a lot of your accounts that are not retirement accounts that they can attach a claim to. It's pretty scary to think about. And what's what's I'm real passionate about this because it's not expensive at all. This is not expensive insurance. To me, it's a no-brainer to get the um, umbrella in place just for the defense costs alone. I also want to give another, you said something about a ladder. So it made me think about something. And I want to hear the rest of your examples because I think everyone needs to hear this. But I heard the other day at a conference uh, where a, another professional like yourself in in the with, with the same level of expertise that you have was talking about an example where a homeowner will will have a, a, a repairman come over and, and do some some repairing around the house, whatever it is. And if this repairman asks you for a ladder, let's just say they left their ladder at home. They forgot their ladder. Oh, can I borrow your ladder? Just the simple act of lending a ladder in your home to an outsider, if they fall from that ladder, they can sue you and it would be your fault because it's your ladder. So that was, that just gave me pause. Uh, you know, something just so seemingly innocent an everyday occurrence. Why would we even be thinking about this? But it happens. These things happen. We're in a very litigious society. So I just wanted to to bring that as another example. Yeah, that is a, a very real example that could happen to anyone. And so not only being aware not to lend out that ladder, but also just do, taking the, the practice of understanding if this uh, other party has their own coverage, you know, another policy in place that's going to add a layer of protection um, between you and, and that contractor or whatever it may be. Exactly. Were there any other examples you had before I move to my next question? I'm full of questions, Ryan, but I don't want to stop you if you had additional examples to give for common type situations. I saved one other for the last. So um, reconstruction value. So that's coverage A on your homeowner's insurance policy. And you're, we are all steadily seeing that number going up every year. And that's a major driver to the rate increases that we're seeing. So clients are often coming to us saying, you know, I don't think it would cost that much to rebuild my home. Um, but, you know, first of all, we have to think about, you know, there have been noticeable increases in supplies, you know, materials and labor. Um, but even before beginning to factor that in, you have to think about, you know, clearing the debris, hiring an architect or an engineer to come help plan, and then actually having to reconstruct the home from the ground up with the same features that are similar features that you had before. Um, and so, you know, if there's a one-off home that gets burned down, it's not the same as when that neighborhood was being built and the contractor had 10 homes right next to each other that it had all the resources and needs that it needed, it needed to handle that 
versus a one-off situation where they're having to essentially custom build a home. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so that's just one thing we have to really walk clients through and to realize that, you know, we've never had someone come back to us after a claim and say, look, I, I think I had too much insurance there. Um, it's better safe than sorry. <laughs> that that said, no one ever. <laughs> exactly. So it's better safe to be better safe than sorry. Well, and I also, you know, I know that some people don't even have an agent, so they they're using a company. You know, I'm just going to throw a couple out there. Nothing wrong with these companies like Amica and and USAA. These are companies that they don't you don't have an assigned agent. And so you're kind of on your own. And I, I see this often when I'm looking at my clients' uh, declaration pages, they, they don't even know what they have. They might've just gotten enough co coverage just to keep the price down. They don't, you know, no one's really helping them unless they call in and proactively ask. Yeah, it is um, eye-opening sometimes uh, whenever I, I'm walking somebody through these coverages for the first time uh, when it's not their first time ever buying insurance before. And so that's something I really enjoy doing is, is making sure that the client understands what is what and actually kind of walking through the differences in policies and why they're not apples to apples um, and um, how not all policies are created equal. Right. And price is definitely a consideration, but it is not the only consideration, right? It might, it might be an important thing to, to think about, but my gosh, if you go too low on price and you're giving up things that are really important to you, you just didn't understand what they were. Uh, which brings me to my other question. You mentioned umbrella insurance, umbrella coverage. And I know that some people don't really know how much coverage is enough. Like what is the magic number? You, you described what umbrella is, and I'm glad you did that. So you described that it's your excess liability coverage, but how do you know how much is enough? Hi, it's Michelle. Do you want some more information about some of the topics we've been discussing? I've got good news. After teaching in-person classes on retirement planning for years at local community colleges, I've put together some webinars you can listen to in the comfort of your own home on various topics such as estate planning, avoiding tax pitfalls in retirement, and various other topics. Reach out to us for the webinar replays and we would be happy to send them to you. You can find all of my contact information, including my social channels in today's show notes. Now let's get back to today's episode. Yeah, so the umbrella policy is a really major focus. It's a key point uh, of defense, a wall of defense, if you will, that the client can build around their assets to protect from the liabilities that could arise, like you said, in this litigious society we live in. And we don't know what could happen in a courtroom. We don't know what would happen with a judge or a jury or an opposing attorney. Um, and so it's that's why it's important that we align the client's or the family's net worth with the umbrella or excess liability limits. And we have tools to help us assess those figures and determine what is the right amount. Um, just last year, a man was paralyzed after jumping onto a raft in a friend's pool and hitting his head um, on the shallow end. And the jury awarded $19 million for medical expenses, you know, pain and suffering, loss of life's pleasures, embarrassment. Um, and so even if it's a friend, it does not matter. When there's a catastrophic loss or an accident, um, that the family has to have some way to recover. 
and they are going to have to deal with this for the rest of their lives. And so, um, you know, that's when I kind of transition to risk tolerance and how much is the client willing to lose in the event of a catastrophic lawsuit? And so, you know, a few hundred dollars can often mean millions of dollars in additional coverage. So wouldn't it make sense to go for the three, five, 10, maybe even $50 million that you need to protect your wealth and your assets? And lastly, I'll say that, you know, working with people like you, Michelle, the financial advisor, the wealth advisor, your CPA, your estate planning attorneys, all as a team in unison to truly understand our clients' risks and exposures, their assets, and working together to make sure everything is protected. Yeah. And, and it's, you know, look, you could end up purchasing a whole lot of insurance and, and I guess there's no end to how much a jury would award, but for goodness sake, at least protect your net worth. Is that what you're trying to say? Exactly. So, you know, if you had a lawsuit against you, an opposing attorney would likely go through some sort of discovery phase, and they're going to look to find out as much as they can about your assets and your net worth. And that's going to be a major part of, of their, you know, their case. Okay, let's move to the topic of uninsured motorists, which is another subject I'm very passionate about. I want to hear from you, what is important about this coverage? Yes, I know that this is a very important one to you, Michelle, but it, it really should be important to all of us because uninsured, underinsured motorist is a coverage that protects us from others out on the road. And that a lot of the coverages we have are to protect others from our liabilities and actions. And this is one that actually protects us. And so in, I think in Texas, maybe one in six drivers are driving without insurance, but many, many more are driving without enough insurance. And so what people don't understand is that risk grows as, you're, as the client becomes more successful. Um, so if you're a lawyer or a doctor with emerging wealth and your risk is much greater than the person driving next to you with minimum wage. Um, and so you have to think about property damage and injury and rehab, of course, but what about being left without being able to perform your job? If you're a lawyer that can't appear in court or you're a doctor that can't see your patients, perhaps losing a career altogether. And so having that uninsured, underinsured motorist coverage in place can protect you well, from others that are underinsured, but also in some cases be extended to your your uh, umbrella or excess liability coverage. Yeah, I, I I don't know if anyone really caught that statistic you rattled off, so I'm going to repeat it. About one out of every six drivers on the road doesn't have insurance or is underinsured. So you're out there minding your own business, following all the rules of the road, you're a good driver, and then somebody hits you and hurts you, and they don't have insurance to cover the loss. So let me just get this straight. So then your uninsured motorist protection on your, on your auto policy is all that you have to protect you. If you have, maybe there's a death in your, in your, a passenger, you know, was, was killed in your car. So I, what I see on a lot of the, the policy pages that I'm seeing is $300,000 is all they have for uninsured motorist protection. Is that, in your opinion, enough? And if not, then talk to us about what, what you mentioned with this uninsured motorist excess liability. 
So the the uninsured, underinsured motorist, we believe, needs to match up with your your other underlying liability limits. And so, if if um, if you're at five hundred thousand or two hundred fifty five hundred thousand for those limits, then we want to see those matched up. And there's just so many different instances that could occur where this could be beneficial. And I I really want to mention that a lot of people don't realize uninsured and underinsured motorists can be extended to you as a pedestrian, as a cyclist, or even as a passenger in someone else's vehicle that doesn't have enough insurance. And so just a very common situation, you have kids off at school in college, they don't own a car. That means they're either catching a ride, biking, or walking to school every single day. And that to me is a major exposure that you want to have coverage for your children if something were to happen. But also another a story that actually sticks out in my mind is when I was an adjuster, I recall one claim where a 16-year-old had taken a vehicle out in the middle of the night and ran through a stop sign and drove into a home and had literally crumbled the front of this house and ended up in uh, in a kid's bedroom. Luckily, they did not kill anybody. Um, but I just recall thinking about, you know, how small the limits were on this policy and the turmoil that these two families were about to go through. And so that's why it's so important to have that that asset protection there and to to make sure that it aligns as much with your network as you possibly can or what your job description is and extending it to the umbrella or the excess liability policy when possible, which is not always, but when it is, we definitely would recommend that. Okay. Well, thanks for, for helping me understand that. What about cyber security, uh, cyber theft? Can you talk a little bit about that? Sure thing. That is a trend that we are seeing a lot of and going to be seeing more and more of. And so I want to point out there's a difference between internet use and social media versus cyber theft. And so the internet has created an environment where people can share their views, their opinions on social media and other channels, but that that could cause a reputational or even financial risk. Um, and whether it's online bullying or slander or defamation, both teens and adults could be at jeopardy. Um, to give you a few stats, uh, almost 30% of teens have posted something mean or embarrassing online, and 65% of 18 to 14-year-olds have been involved in some sort of online bullying incident. And an example would be a 14-year-old, 15-year-old boy shares maybe some explicit photos of an ex-girlfriend after a breakup without permission. Well, that, that girl's father could turn around and file a lawsuit. And without a, a very simple endorsement on the policy that is adding for these risks, uh, such as slander, libel, um, defamation, then that could be a very large exposure. But another thing is really just taking the time to educate our, our, our children on these risks and putting safeguards in place to protect them. On the other hand, there is what we call the Internet of Things. So by 2025, there'll be over 21 billion smart devices. And cyber criminals are using these devices to gain access to our personal information and our, our trusted relationships. And so that would be what I'm referring to as, as cyber theft. Um, and to kind of give you an example, this is 
this is a situation that you could literally use your imagination for, and it's probably happened before. So a contractor is, is doing a job at a client's home, in this case, pouring a, a new driveway. Well, the uh, prior to the job, the uh, the client receives an email from the contractor asking for a down payment and the uh, the client just goes ahead and pays it thinking that's part of the process. Well, what they don't know is somebody had hacked into the, the contractor's email, learned their habits and actually sent this this phishing email essentially to the the, the client and, and, and tricked them into paying $30,000 of of money and that would not have been covered without a specific cyber endorsement or coverage having been added to the policy. Well, that's a scary example. And I'm sure there are many, many more on that topic because we are becoming more and more reliant on the internet. So uh, yeah, I, I wouldn't be without my cyber security insurance in, in my business and, and at home as well. Um, I know we, we've got just a little bit more time and, and not much more, but I, I want to make sure we cover my last question, which is what the heck is happening in the insurance market? We've everybody's seeing their premiums going up. Can you help us understand what's happening? Yes. Um, and yes, it's it's a tough time in the, in the marketplace. So we're seeing what, what's called a hard insurance market, which is an upswing in the insurance cycle where premiums are going up, um, coverages and terms are being restricted, and then capacity is actually decreasing. So it's kind of like a bear market. Our demand, the population is growing, but the supply is, is shrinking. There's less insurance companies in the marketplace uh, this year than there were last year. And reinsurance, which is the insurance that all the insurance companies have to go out and purchase, they're seeing their own rates going up 30 to 50%. And so that's obviously going to trickle down to us as consumers. Another thing is loss frequency. So since 2022, there have been 30 $1 billion or more weather events. And um, just last year, a Cat 4 hurricane hit Tampa. That was Hurricane Ian, third costliest storm in history. Um, you know, it's been six years since Harvey. Many of us are familiar with that event that we uh, dealt with and, you know, the very sad Maui fires that we've seen recently. So storms and wildfire occurrences have just been so detrimental. Another thing is so you got to think about all the people that are working from home now and, and the strain is being put on our systems within our homes because they're being utilized that much more. So we're seeing a lot more water claims and, and just uh, usage of our homes, which is resulting in, in, in more claims. And then lastly, the auto insurance. So auto insurance carriers are um, definitely seeing very rough loss ratios. The pandemic levels have returned and actually exceeded prior to COVID. And um, so the loss frequency is, 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 is um, an issue, but also the cost of repairing vehicles and replacing cars. Um, you know, four years ago to replace the Honda Accord was about $20,000. That same car now, a 2023 Honda Accord is about $30,000. And so there's just multiple factors here that are causing kind of a perfect storm, if you will, uh, that's really causing insurance rates to increase. Yeah. You know, you named some things that I knew about, but there were some other things you you mentioned that I, I didn't know about. So I'm, I'm, I'm glad you, you took the time to 
explain all that. I know that people like to beat up on the insurance companies. You know, nobody, nobody likes getting their insurance premium in the mail. And then, <laughs> and when it goes up, they, the first thing they think of is it's my insurance company. That's, it's just, they're out to get me. It, it, it it's, it's going on everywhere. So it's uh thank you for that, for that explanation. Doesn't make it any easier. It doesn't, it doesn't provide comfort, but at least we know what's going on. I was just going to say, and I feel like I need to say is that, you know, with the way the economy is going and everyone around us, you know, is having struggles. And so they are probably reducing or even removing coverage. Mm -hmm. And so this is just not the time for us to be doing that. We need to be making sure that we're keeping it at the forefront and that we're protecting ourselves by maintaining the, the insurance coverage that we need and not wavering by, you know, trying to save a little bit of money to uh, reduce those, those coverages and those costs. I, I, I totally agree. And, and uh, you know, just be glad. And I just want to finish on this note, be glad that your insurance company was, it will even cover you. Uh, just ask some of the people in, in Florida or California where they can't even get insurance. That's not that's not us, but my goodness, I, I think that's a wise piece of advice is is don't skimp on your insurance. Exactly. Well, Ryan, this has been so helpful. I really appreciate your insights and your wisdom. How can people uh, reach you if they want to contact you? Yeah, sure thing. And I appreciate you, Michelle, for the opportunity. I would be happy at any time to discuss personal risk management or just helping someone navigate this tough market. Um, you can reach me. My email is ryan.kaiser at usi.com. Um, you can find me on LinkedIn quite easily or my cell is 281-723-2661. Uh, give me a call and I'd be more than happy to help out. Well, thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you for being here today, Ryan. Michelle, how can people get in touch with you if they have a couple more questions for you? Yeah, they can reach me. Uh, probably the easiest way is through the website, GessnerWealthStrategies.com. And all of the contact information is there. Uh, G-E-S-S-N-E-R, GessnerWealthStrategies.com. And thank you for listening today. Please like, follow, and share this podcast with your friends. Until next time, I'm Wendy McConnell. Thank you for listening to Retire to a Life You Love with Michelle Gessner from Gessner Wealth Strategies. We hope you were inspired to take steps to your financial freedom as you learned new techniques and strategies for managing your finances. To learn more about how you can improve your financial landscape, visit our website at www.gessnerwealthstrategies.com. That's G-E-S-S-N-E-R wealthstrategies.com. Or give Michelle and her team a call at 713-589-6448. And don't forget to click the follow button below to be notified when new episodes are available. The information covered and posted represents the views and opinions of the guest and does not necessarily represent the views or opinions of Michelle Gessner or Gessner Wealth Strategies. The content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only and is not intended to be a substitute for professional investing advice. Always seek the advice of your financial advisor or other qualified financial service provider with any questions you may have regarding your investment planning.